session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. Good evening and welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Halakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. But if you do call in, I ask that all questions be directed towards my guests, who I'll be introducing to you shortly. I'm very happy to be joined by a mother and son duo who are going to be talking about some very important topics and some important work that they are doing. So let me waste no time and introduce you to them now. So Benjamin Tubia is a licensed marriage and family therapist working in Los Angeles. He came out as a gay man 12 years ago, and he is joined by his mother, Sima Tubia, who struggled with reconciling Ben's coming out with her lack of support within the Persian community dealing with LGBTQ issues. Both Ben and Sima navigated the challenges to their relationship over several years, and five years ago, Sima, with the help of Mastonem Moradam created the support group We Do Care to create a place for other Persian parents of LGBTQ individuals to have space to discuss any thoughts or emotions regarding the coming out of their children. Over the following five years, the We Do Care group has expanded from two families to over 50 families and has created a community of proud families who passionately advocate for the normalization and acceptance of all LGBTQ individuals. Ben and Sima, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank it's good you to be here. Thank you. And uh, maybe I can mention how I even um, came across and I reached out to Ben, I think just over a month ago. There was a wonderful story um, on NBC, although maybe not so wonderful how we were talking about the editing of it. But <laughs> as far as the story itself was very touching to me about the support group that um, you have started, Sima, that I think is amazing that we will be talking about more later sure. in the show. But today, um, I'm very happy to be joined by you guys to share the journey you guys have went through. Ben, first yours individually and within yourself, but then having to share that with your uh, family and then community. And then also Sima, you dealing with that whole process of um, learning that your son was gay, but then figuring that out for yourself and then within your own community and then taking that struggle and trying to help other families as well so that they can get some support in the process that you went through. Um, so maybe uh, we can start with you, Ben, talking about some of what you experienced just in your own process and then the coming out process, however much of it you want to get into. Okay. Um, thank you for having us. Of course. Thanks for being here. Um, I mean, if I go back all these years, you know, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is nobody even spoke about these things when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. There was no... I, I didn't even know what gay meant. I didn't have any gay role models. I didn't even know that these things existed. So once I started feeling like something was different, that uh, that I was maybe not able to, to fulfill the things that my family wanted for me, which was you know, being attracted to women and all these things, um, it caused some dissonance in my life. Mm -hmm. And I also didn't feel like there was a space to speak about it. So this happened over a, a number of years as I matured from from young adulthood into into my time in the university. But um the more I the more I matured and the more I felt like there wasn't space for me, the the more I tried to suppress these feelings. Mm -hmm. 
And it eventually came to a head around 21 where I had asked my parents. I was like, something, something's up uh, and, I, and I don't know how to deal with it. And I went to therapy for the first time. Hmm. And I was able to share this, these sentiments with someone um, in a safe space. And, you know, I realized, I realized I was a good person at that point, you know, mm-hmm. ev- everything else aside, I'm good. Um, and then we started from there. Which is so unfortunate that even that, that was a question, right? But I mean, for most people, and I work with, you know, as a therapist, I'm sure you've seen this too. A lot of people have this issue of feeling lovable, like deep down, yeah. but then yeah, with issues like being gay, it could become more of a question of, well, am I bad or wrong for being this way? Unfortunately, many people can internalize that feeling. And like you're saying, even that was just the fact that you're lovable or I'm good was something very meaningful, but that it was even a question is the sad part. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think being raised as a Persian man, Mm -hmm. you know, I love my family. I I respect my family. Uh, I really wanted to be the person they wanted me to be. Mm. And... As I as I got older, and the realization that I could not be that person, really made me feel bad, bad for myself and f- for them. Like mm-hmm. I I just couldn't be this person that they wanted me to be so desperately. Right. And 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 I blamed it on myself. Mm. And uh, I had to numb that feeling. I had to suppress it any way I could, so I didn't think about it all the time and that's what drove me to therapy i was like i just can't deal with these feelings of negativity Mm -hmm. and that's why i started from there in therapy i was like i mean just on the most basic level there's nothing wrong with me because i haven't done anything to feel like i've done something wrong Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm just existing in this world and that that can't be bad yeah, although unfortunately that's what many people get the message of is that if you are this way or that way, you are bad or not okay. Yeah. Uh, and we still deal with that in the Persian community, but even just in society at large, people, members of the LGBTQ community still face a lot of um, persecution and discrimination, even in the United States. And then in, in the Iranian community, I think it's even more intensified, unfortunately. But it seems like going to therapy, I, I can also imagine you had to, you know, you talked about going away from those feelings, a lot of times people can feel like they have to go away from their families because they don't know how to, well, I can't be myself fully around them, right? So it creates this conflict and sometimes the easiest thing is just to get caught, create some distance. So it's interesting was, you brought that. That wasn't a choice. <laughs> so, so well, well, you think it wasn't a choice. Um, that's you mean it wasn't a choice like you didn't let him get it? No, I wouldn't. To, okay, yeah. But I didn't know that. Right, right. <laughs> so that's cute that she thinks that now. Um uh, that was definitely something that was very much on my mind sure. back then. You know, it was very clear to me that it was a choice. Staying and experiencing my family without them knowing this was a choice mm-hmm. and walking away from them and living freely as as the way I wanted to live was a choice. Yeah. And I chose to stay. Mm. Um, I chose to stay knowing that it would be difficult, but that it was not an option to leave my family and have all these years go by and, and reconnect sometime later. Mm-hmm. I was going to force them, whether or not they wanted to or not, uh, to keep me around. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that was not easy. Oh, I can imagine. And first you're saying force them. My guess is first you had to come to terms with it yourself and accept it first to then 
yeah. be willing to uh, right to... well like like i said on on the nbc thing yeah i i was numbing myself right. at that point mm -hmm. so you know i i you know i numbed i numbed those feelings to be mm -hmm. able to 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 do that right um Maybe I wasn't in my right mind making that decision, but I, I, looking back, I appreciate the fact that I took that step for myself because mm -hmm. it brought all of us to the point that we're at now a lot quicker. Yeah, and I got to experience so much else in my in my larger family. I, you know, I didn't miss out on my cousins growing up. I didn't miss mm -hmm. out on spending time with my grandfathers and my grandparents. Um, I, I, I still kept kept up with all that and participated in all that mm -hmm. in the meantime yeah and then they progressively over time i came out to all of them um and now i have an amazing supportive family extended family who that doesn't seem to have a problem with anything now. well that's great and we talked about this a bit before the show that it's good that that's how it seems now but i'm sure it's been quite a journey to get to where you are and probably the journey's not finished either but uh, a lot has gone on within each of you and the rest of the family to get to where you are now and we can maybe share some of that and even Simo you can share some of what you went through as a parent which we'll uh, you know sure. get to because I'm sure it was not so easy for you to to deal with this and I, I heard you talk about it before so I know that was you know not easy so you know ben sometimes coming out is not sometimes like this one moment type of thing sometimes it is for some people but usually it's like a process and multi-steps and layers and yeah different people at different times can you share a bit about your own process and coming out yeah i mean for, for me i found myself being attracted to men mm -hmm. but still not knowing what gay was mm -hmm. so you know, I'm, I might have behaved like a gay man, but in my head, I wasn't, I didn't identify as gay. Mm -hmm. And then there was a point where I, I met somebody and I fell in love with him. And at that point, I was like, I can love a man. And to me, that was a, a big aha moment that where I identified as gay. I was like, my capacity to fall in love with a man, I think, is what makes me gay. Mm -hmm. um, and that developed around my early 20s um and at that point i once i started to identify as gay and explore that part of myself with explore that identity mm -hmm. um i then was able to come out to my parents and i remember coming out to my parents and them not addressing it uh -huh. <laughs> so i i said this to them and we went on like normally mm -hmm. for a month without anybody actually bringing it up. Well, yeah, that's what you think. Okay. Well, <laughs> you guys, I guess, didn't bring it up to him, but you guys were talking about it. it yeah. It seems. Well, uh -huh. you know, when he started to go uh, to therapy, um, he was kind of calmer and relaxed, mm -hmm. more relaxed than before. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess that was the the you know the way that he was talking to him. He made him relax get him ready to come out and to tell us that he's gay. Mm -hmm. um, well, when he told us the beginning, I was surprised. Mm -hmm. I was, then I was angry. Mm -hmm. Then I was scared. Then um, I had all kind of the feeling. Yeah. When you said anger, angry, who are you, where angry, was that anger directed angry, angry toward myself, uh -huh. toward myself that did I do something? Mm. What went wrong here? Um, I was blaming myself. 
I was blaming and I, myself and I was angry at myself. Yeah. Which also, you know, we, we touched on this before the show too. It's what you're saying is what many people will feel. And even in that, it's implicit that you're saying to blame yourself means that something has gone wrong. Yes. As if being yes. homosexual, being gay is bad yes. or something. But that's what most people feel, unfortunately, yes. but isn't true. And then also to think like you did something. Yeah, I, maybe I didn't give him enough attention. Or too much, or, say too much attention. Or too much attention. Yeah, right. Yeah, and people will blame yeah. themselves and unfortunately yeah. will get blamed by others for that. And, and it's kind of, there's a history of this and these are different because I don't want to compare homosexuality to mental illness. But with schizophrenia, we've had this and autism. We've had this where it's like parents got blamed for you mm-hmm. caused your kid to, you know, whatever. And again, yeah. make it very clear, homosexuality is not a disease or a disorder. Yes. But a lot of times parents can get blamed for their child being a certain way, whatever that way is. Um, and there can be a lot of guilt mm-hmm. about that. Well, yeah. But not knowing enough uh, sure. information mm-hmm. about uh, the gay um, society and gay people, I, I, always, I always thought that it was his choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he chose to go to be with a man. Mm-hmm. Then when I educate myself and I read more and I, when we start talking about it more, then I find out that that's not it. He's, he's really falling in love with a, with a man. And well, he, we started going to therapy together. Oh, okay. Nice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because it, it was a bit confusing for her mm-hmm. because I had had relationships with women and I had expressed loving women. And for her, that was very confusing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, if you ask me today, the only reason why I say gay is so I could help other people. It's like shorthand for helping other people (laughs) put me in whatever box they want to put me in. I wouldn't use that word to explain myself. I'm just me. I just do what I do. I love who I love. And it's really nobody's business but mine. Mm -hmm. Um, But back then, I mean, she, she needed help understanding this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that, and that's yes. a big step so just the two of you went or the whole family no went? the whole family okay the nice. whole family of course my other two daughters they were okay with it from mm-hmm. the beginning mm-hmm. but um, we tried to keep it uh, very low key not talking about it because we didn't want anybody to, to know mm-hmm. and and then um, after a while that I got comfortable um, I still wouldn't talk about it because um, it wasn't my story Mm-hmm. It was his story. So he said, whenever I'm ready to talk about it, whenever I'm ready to tell other people, I will tell them my way. Mm-hmm. And that's why I did not say anything and did not talk about it until that he came out to his cousins and a few friends. Mm-hmm. And then I thought that, okay, this is the time for me to yeah. coming from the cl- coming out of the closet myself. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw on that on the We Do Care there was like a slogan or something that said for every yes. child that comes out of the closet a parent goes yes. in. And I think there's yes. multiple ways of looking at that, but some one the big one is that parents have to go into hiding where they feel they need to. Exactly. But another way of looking at that I thought was like they have to go in and like to understand the world, exactly. you know, in a ways too. So it's like it's another, you know, process. Well, well, I think one of the most significant realizations for me was you know, I was wrapped up in my own process until I came out. Mm-hmm. I was not even thinking about my parents. I yeah. was so in my own mind trying to create some sort of understanding for what I was going through. And then once I came out, I don't know if it was maybe like a year later, I realized, oh my God, they're just starting to come out now. Right. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've 
done years of work to get to this one point yeah and they were blindsided by mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. and now their journey is starting and i have to have right. compassion for that which can be tough but yeah it makes that sense. was like very hard you've gone through years of a journey and then they're now at the starting point where you're kind of much further along that can be a challenge too to, to kind of reconcile that to then come to see eye to eye um and something you mentioned reminds me of i heard it even before the show but sometimes people say someone oh they came out of the closet out of nowhere but we rarely know that they were going through probably a struggle exactly. for years. Yeah. It wasn't literally yeah. out of nowhere as if it just one day they woke up that way or they thought that way. They've been probably dealing with it for years before they get to the point mm -hmm. to really come to terms to to then express that. Um, we are at a commercial break, but I'm joined tonight by Sima and Ben Tubia, and we're talking about their family's journey, Ben's journey, and then the family's journey um, when he came out, and also about the support group We Do Care, which we're going to talk more about uh, in the next segment. So you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm joined tonight by Ben and Sima Tubia. And in the last segment, we were talking a bit about Ben's process of uh, coming out. And then, um, Sima, you shared a bit about your experience and hearing and then also you know, doing your own research and studying. But also, I'm, I'm sure you had your own internal journey that you went through, just like Ben had his own. And so maybe you could talk a bit of more, bit more about that, what you went through um, in coming to terms and trying to figure out how to go forward. Sure. Um, when when I find out, it was almost um, 12 years ago, mm -hmm. 12 years ago. And, um, you know, you know, you socialize with a lot of people in Persian community and you hear from them when they're sitting around the table, you know, how they talk about gay and lesbian. So I always were sitting there and listening to them, but not paying um, any, not having any reaction mm -hmm. Not saying that, you know, stop, you know, I have a gay son or don't say these things. I just let them talk whatever they wanted to say, just observing what they know about the mm -hmm. gay. And, you know, I find that slowly, I find out that um, they're just like me 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. they, they didn't know anything about and they feeling they, they have about this gay issue it was very strong in the Persian community mm -hmm. because it was... Um, you're not supposed to have any gay or lesbian in the family. This is not the yeah. um, right thing to do. Right. Or, yeah, the right thing to do or the right way to be. And that's the yeah. stigma, unfortunately, that's so strong still in the United States, but we know in our culture, unfortunately, even stronger. And so, yeah, I'm sure that must have been interesting for you, or maybe not interesting, but to then before, if Ben had come out to more people, but you knew hearing the way people in the Iranian community yeah. talked about gay and lesbian and knowing... They're talking about my son. Yes, I'm sure exactly. that must have been tough. And I, I would be kind of, sometimes I would be, most of the time I would be embarrassed. Mm. Maybe mm -hmm. they know. Are they talking about my son? They Do they know that I have a gay son? Mm -hmm. Otherwise they wouldn't be talking. But, um, you know, slowly, maybe I was numbing myself in a way. Yeah. You know, just let them talk and not listening to them. But then I find out, you know, this is enough is enough. I have to do something about this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because for me, talking about it, it was making myself uh, more uh, open mm -hmm. to my son and to my family. And uh, when I start talking about it within our own family, 
then I took this step, you know, further, talking to my friends. And then um, just happens that um, we were at the radio show at 670. Mm -hmm. uh, it was six, seven years ago. Uh, ben had an interview with Maslani Moradam. And um, after they, f I, I went there to support him. I wasn't talking on the talk show, but uh, when we finished the talk show, I told Mastane, listen, you know, I really need um, parents just, just like me to be able to talk to them, to socialize with them, to, you know, to have a gathering, to have the kids to come and go together. Mm -hmm. um, it was lacking in, in my, um, I was lacking from the having the friends like that, mm -hmm. the having gay kids and lesbian. And uh, she told me, I get back to you in a month. Uh -huh. And she got back to me and she said, I have something for you. We can start a support group and we can invite other parents to come. And that's how the support group started um, yeah. five years ago. That, I think that's that's great, and I, I want people to also hear how they can get involved because I think you saw, you felt the need, and so you created the thing that you needed in a way, right? You wanted support, you needed support, and you said, "We don't have this. Let's make this." And with the help of Mastana, you were able to create something to fill that that gap, fill that need. Exactly. Well, the first night we started with the two family, mm -hmm. and then every month we had new family. Just they're just knocking on the door, and they were coming in. And um, because it was a safe space for them to talk about their feeling, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they, t they become more relaxed, their relationship with their kids become better. Mm -hmm. And um, they told their friends and their cousins or whoever they knew about this support group and th they were just coming. Mm -hmm. And now we are just like a big family. This, this is very special family. And um, Friday night, we had the um, Friday night party and uh, everyone came with their kids and their grandma and we socialized, we had fun. It's just uh, it's different kind of the family that they're, mm -hmm. they're not related to me, but I know them as a family of choice. Yeah. Yeah, family of choice. And, family and, when you, choice. <laughs> and when you go through something similar, um, yes. it can, you know, you feel connected in a way. That's what support yeah. groups are all about, that you've gone through some similar experience that brings you together and sharing that together and knowing, um, you know, every story is unique, but sometimes it shares some elements. Or if you went through a similar struggle, mm -hmm. that could be very meaningful. And actually, Ben, you want to mention something about like, yeah. your family not necessarily being. Yeah, I mean, there's just something I wanted to piggyback on yeah. what my mom just said is what, what was beautiful for me is that this, this is not just a support group anymore. Mm -hmm. These parents have become advocates. And um, what I wanted to say about what what me and my mom do when we come and, and, and talk about our story is there's nothing special about my coming out process, about our family's coming out process. It's actually pretty normal mm -hmm. if you ask people. Um, the one thing that I do believe is I believe in advocacy through visibility. So I I do these things and I talk about my life not because there's anything unique about me, just just because I if if somebody hearing this is affected by it, if somebody's parent or grandparent changes their views about it, if somebody feels a little bit more relieved about mm -hmm. what they're going through, then I I'm I will do this forever. Mm -hmm. um, but there's nothing special about yeah. it. What's amazing about the support group is, 
and and I realized this because I I wasn't involved in the support group at all. Mm-hmm. When my mom my mom kept saying, "Come, come join," <laughs> and I was like, "No, this is your thing. I don't I don't want to be part of it." Um, but when she turned around and told me that sometimes there were parents coming in anticipation of maybe their kids um, mm-hmm. coming out mm-hmm. that they, they they didn't necessarily know, but they needed a space to be able to talk to other people about this. That's mm-hmm. when I knew something amazing had happened because, you know, in, in our community, people don't talk about things yep. that they're not supposed to talk mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. It's almost as like if we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yep. And and to create a space for people to let go of that burden, mm-hmm. to be able to be honest and explore how they feel with people who can understand, I think is the most amazing thing yeah. that this support group uh, an advocacy group affords these mm-hmm. families. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of my goals of the show is to talk about mental illness and talk about different taboos that we have, because when we have taboos and stigmas, people just suffer in silence. The, it doesn't disappear. They just suffer in the dark. And some of the suffering also happens because they stay in the dark. And if we can bring that out, it leads to a lot of healing and a lot of help and people realizing they don't have to be ashamed of certain things, whatever that, you know, it might be. Um, and you're talking about your story and it's not unique. It is unique in that it is your story, but the whole reason you talk is that you know that there's other people that have that same story. And that's why you talk to connect to those people so that they know that their voice matters or they can be heard oh, as yeah. well. I mean, it's funny. There was, there was one time where I heard somebody else sharing uh, the story of their life and I just sat there and I was like, wow, that's like, all you had to do is switch names and... <laughs> that could have been my life story. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when I realized that I'm not special. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm me, I'm, I'm unique in, in, in that way, but, but my, my, my struggle, my triumphs, everybody has the same ones in their lives. It doesn't matter what the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's your ability to speak to those and, and reconcile them and grow from them that I think is, is what we all should try and do. Yeah, and like in a way, I feel like we're all the same but different in the sense yeah. that every, you know, being a therapist, I feel so lucky to get let into the you know inner lives and inner psyche and just of each person. And you see, each person is a unique person, but at the same time, there are things that make us all similar as well that we all connect. And it's like I think you can have both that you recognize the unique individuality of each person, but that also that shared humanity that we all have as well. You know, hearing you guys talk, I also thought about something that I've noticed is there's different levels of acceptance because I've worked with families and there's obviously extremes of disowning, you know, unfortunately it still does happen. And we know that the LGBTQ community faces higher levels of homelessness, likely because they're often kicked out of their homes. Unfortunately, it still does happen. So there's that extreme. Fortunately, that's happening less, but then there's lots of gradients. And I, I've worked with families that say, for example, oh no, we totally accept our gay son, but you know, he can't bring his boyfriend to dinner, mm-hmm. but you know, we accept mm-hmm. it hundred percent. Well, you know, is that a hundred percent if he has to hide this big part of his life? And you ask them, well, your straight daughter or straight son, can they bring their, of course they can. And, you know, so what message are you giving your child when you say we're, you know, so you because think you're accepting, deep, but <laughs> deep inside are not accepting. Of, of course. Yeah. yeah. So there's definitely weight ranges <laughs> yes. of acceptance. And by Ben's reaction, I'm getting the feeling that you saw your parents go through well, some of it. <laughs> I mean, I have something to say about that. Yeah. You know, I'm in a perpetual state of coming out. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, and, and it, I, I have a lot to say about there being like conditions mm-hmm. for accepting, um, it was really hard for me to come to that that door and open that door yeah. and and come out. 
and then to have conditions put on me by other people, whether it's my family or society, mm-hmm. really rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. I want to be me. I want me to define who me is. And I really don't care if the person who I am fits within the box that you want me to fit into. Yeah. Um, to say like, oh, you're not that type of gay or you're not this type of gay mm-hmm. or you could only be this type of gay mm-hmm. really bothers me because I'm going to be the kind of gay man that I want to be, mm-hmm. whether or not that is is someone who's out and proud or someone who's quiet. You know, mm-hmm. it, it really doesn't, ma- it shouldn't matter to anybody else but, but me. You, right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely individual. It should be individual. Um, and I think, yeah, the conditions, I've just seen it so many times in families where, there's definitely these levels of acceptance. It's not just this blanket thing. And people have to really think about, am I really accepting my son or daughter if I have like those conditions you were saying? Yeah, you can't talk about it in public or you can't bring the partner around or don't dress a certain, whatever it is, they put these conditions that they don't realize is telling your son or daughter, I don't fully accept you. There's something you either need to hide or that's not okay with who you are. And that's a very, unfortunately, negative, powerful message that you send. Well, the, 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 what, what came to mind is like in the earlier segment when we said like, oh, it's a, it was a surprise mm-hmm. when this person came out or maybe when I came out and this idea that, oh, well, if, if you would have acted or if we could have, uh, if we would have seen signs that you were gay earlier, we would have been more prepared mm-hmm. for, for this. Um, or when people say like, oh, I knew you were gay before, before you came out, like, oh, I get it. <laughs> um, that, that stuff really rubs me the wrong way because, I mean, well, if I didn't know I was gay, you're just projecting mm-hmm. onto me. <laughs> so that's one problem. And, and somehow if, if I maybe behave a certain way that would have helped you identify me as gay, you would have somehow treated me, me differently. I'm sure if, if, at least in the Persian community back in the day before I came out, if somebody was perceived as maybe potentially being gay, mm-hmm. the parents probably would have tried to make them not that way. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have just been more accepting. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've seen uh, so many cases where people say, well, if you introduce them to a beautiful enough girl, maybe they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll, we have they'll change We one of those them. stories too. Really? Okay, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just not the right, you know, so they think it's a matter of like not seeing a good enough girl or woman or, you know, they're kind of missing what's really there. Um, but yeah, I, I could see how you're, you know, there's a lot of, ways that people make decisions for other people or they put that pressure on them rather than letting them you know, have their own process. Um, you know, and we have just a little bit more time before the commercial break, but, you know, Seema, I hope after the break you can tell people about how they can also get involved sure. with We Do Care um, because I think that was one of the main points I was hoping to get across to people too so that they know how they can get involved, how they can get the support that's out there because we were talking about taboos and stigmas and a lot of times there is help out there, just people don't know. And so I really wanted uh, to give you that opportunity. So sure. uh, okay. again, I'm joined tonight by Ben and Seema Tubia and uh, we're going to talk after the break some more about the We Do Care support group. And if you're in the LA area, you can get involved or get that support. But also we might talk a bit about how, if you don't live in LA, what you maybe can do as well to, to create your own support group. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back again. I'm joined by Ben and Sima Tubia. Uh, and Sima, before the break, I said I wanted people to get to hear more about the We Do Care support group that you were instrumental in starting. 
Um, and you talked a bit about what the inspiration was in starting that and the help you got um, from Mastodon, and you can talk more about that as well. And maybe that's a good place to start, because for me, I was um, inspired when people start something new, whether it's a support group or a project, a product, whatever it is, because it's not easy to start from when you don't have something to go in it. Like many things, it seems like collaboration was a big part of that. You didn't do it all by yourself, but you started a process. So can you talk a bit about what that process was like for you? Did you know what it was going to become? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to create? Yeah. Well, I have to give the credit to the older moms and dads <laughs> okay. that they're uh, participating in the support group. It's, it's wonderful to have them uh, almost every month. And um, we, of course, we started with the two family. We are now more than 30. Um, but I, I stopped counting because mm -hmm. it's, it's every month yeah, we it's have, good to we, have to yes. lose count. Yeah. <laughs> every month we get one or two new parents. And um, the, from the beginning, I used to, um, to pick up the phone and call and say, listen, you know, I have this support group. You want to join? Um, you know, I got negative respond a mm. few times mm -hmm. and then um, when I got the positive response then I stopped calling people because I said you know if they they hear about us they will come mm -hmm. and this is what happened and um, you know they it's a safe place for them to come to talk about their issues because every time every person they have different kind of issues and they know that this is a safe place for them to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, we cry, we laugh, we um, advocate. Advocate. Mm -hmm. We solve problems there. We we always have ideas. Oh, you know, you should. This is the way you should talk to your son. Or this is. I mean, with the help of Mastane, it's it's unbelievable. Mastane Mogadam, you know, when she um, decided to. You know, to help us to have this support group, um, she always comes up with the new ideas, how to talk to your kids, how mm -hmm. to, um, you know, how to be comfortable to talk about it with the other people. And uh, every time uh, she comes up with the uh, new tools to show us to, to mm -hmm. become a better person and to, to teach us how to deal with our kids and the family. Mm -hmm. And... Um, She's from um, Cross Cultural Experience uh, Center. I have her Cross Cultural Expressions. <laughs> cross Cultural Expressions. That was a cross cultural <laughs> expression right there. You always <laughs> challenge me, and this is one of the. I just want to make sure people can find you. It's okay. It's okay. I'm used to, to for you. <laughs> and the phone number is eight one eight eight six zero one two two three. They can reach her anytime. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, you know they can reach me. I'm, I'm everywhere. <laughs> uh -huh. And even I know the We Do Care itself has uh, yes. a Facebook page that people can yes. like and follow and the, get the information there. The name of there. our support group is We Do Care because mm -hmm. we really care. Yes, mm -hmm. we care about our kids, and uh, that's what we we came up with the with the name like this. But um, it's you know this group is very very special to me. Mm -hmm. um, I used to be um, involved with all kind of the charities, but uh, this is really close to my heart. Mm -hmm. um, this is not a charity. This is uh, um, it's just for us to get together, for parents to get together, and uh, to experience um, 
you know, what everyone went through and to learn from each other. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm telling everyone, this is a safe place. We, we never talk about who's coming to our group. We never say the name. And always the, um, the, when they talk about it, stays there. Yeah. And it's, um, we, we never say, you know, I have this family in my group or that family mm-hmm. because they, if they want to keep it uh, safe, we keep it safe. Yeah. And I think, you know, you touched on this a bit, but for me, it could be good to talk about what to expect to come to a meeting. It seems like there is some educational side to it. Um, a lot of people sharing, but also for people to know, uh, my assumption would be that people don't have to share their story, right? So if they want, they can come and they're, or, or are they required to share what well, happened to them? Well, or can they? Every month, every month we start introducing ourselves. Yeah. And uh, every month, uh, you know, sometimes, the kids are there mm-hmm. and the kids, they talk about their feeling and their experience. And um, maybe the first time they don't open up. Yeah. But when next time the parents, they see that it's a safe place, they open up and they talk about it. Mm-hmm. But no, they don't have to. Right. They, they don't have to even introduce themselves. They just be there as a guest and uh, just be comfortable. But, it, but I mean, there was there are times where she's told me that you know sometimes the kids come without parents mm-hmm. and they come preemptively to discuss with other parents how they should oh, deal with yeah with coming out to their parents so mm-hmm. it it kind of is like a mix and match right um yeah that that's cool that, that's kind of cool so the the kids can see how other Persian parents responded to get ready yeah. to how to maybe share the news or express it to their own parents yeah, yeah but sometimes I have more moms than the father. Mm. They're, they're sometimes moms that are more uh, accepting yeah. and their fathers they have the issues and uh, I always tell you know, the first time is difficult and then mm-hmm. when you start coming you will yeah. be happy that you came <laughs> well I think I mean in general probably moms have more unconditional love to begin with but then also there is the issues with masculinity and homophobia that can be tied together and we have that in our Persian culture well, I mean, well. not to knock the dads, but I think I think my 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 experience was that I think when I came out, my dad felt like he couldn't give me guidance anymore, mm. and and that was I think one of the most difficult things for my father was he's like you're going down a path that I can't relate to, and I can't help you anymore. And I and I remember turning to my dad, and I'm like, Dad, I am gonna still love people, mm-hmm. and you can still help me navigate my heartbreaks and my love and my joy doesn't matter what the gender of the other person is right and i think for him having been raised in a world where homosexuality was not okay mm-hmm. it took him some time to get around but now it's like i mean it's almost like a non-issue in our family there yeah. are there, there are other conditions now that they're <laughs> that they've put on me but i, I tell you yeah. something you know um the first thing that you always think when someone comes to you and said i'm gay he said the dreams that you have Mm. about the you know he's going to get married you know who's going to be the the wife that's it it's gone Mm -hmm. now i have to think who's going to get married to who's the guy that Mm -hmm. is getting married and yeah i have to get used to this Mm -hmm. idea but um you know it's just some dreams that you had sure it's different dream now it's a different mm-hmm. kind of dream. Well, I mean, you know, it was she had spoken about this earlier, and I think what was interesting is 
if, if I think about what their experience was like when I came out, is it, it was very similar to like the five stages of grief. Mm-hmm. They, it was obvious to me, were grieving the end of these dreams that they conjured up for themselves probably uh before i was even in the womb you know Mm -hmm. they had their own dreams of the life that they expected to have and um for you to have yeah the life they expected you to have yeah Yeah. they they had a lot of expectations (laughs) for themselves right um yeah and for me but uh and i you know there there was a point where i i felt like they thought i was taking a sledgehammer to those dreams Mm. and I, I I could feel how that 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 energy mm-hmm. and, and it hurt because I was just, you know, speaking my truth. And for some reason it felt like doing that was causing them pain. Mm-hmm. And it's that's a really hard, hard thing to experience oh, yeah. when you're just trying to be your truest version of yourself mm-hmm. and it's hurting the people that you love the most. Yeah. Um that being said, they went through their stages of grief, mm-hmm. and now their new dreams for me are very similar to the old ones. But you know, they they are they are more aligned with the person that I am today. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, and it's interesting because we think of it like it's so different. I I can get how it was a process for you to go from okay, he's going to get married to and have a, we're going to have a bride and it's going to be so beautiful, and now it's a man, which because of how we still think of these things is so significant, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. And maybe in a few generations, they won't see it that way. That's okay. Well, he'll have, he can have a wedding with a man if he wants to. I'm a big advocate for gender neutral dreams for children. Yeah. And I think actually that's, (laughs) that's what I was also going to touch on is I think we sometimes don't realize the dreams and assumptions and things we place on our kids or we make for people and how many there are and how deep those go until they start living their life. For example, a lot of Persian parents have dreams that their kids have a certain career and then think Mm -hmm. you're shattering my dreams, but it's that we didn't let the kid be themselves and have their own dreams that are about who they want to be, you know? So I think parents don't realize how much we make these assumptions and dreams and then put them onto our kids and say, okay, now you have to make me happy by fulfilling those dreams I had Mm -hmm. for you. Um, and yeah, for you, it seems like there was a lot of that, as he mentioned, almost like he was taking a sledgehammer to them, but they had to be maybe crumbled, but then now they've been built up and you can accept that the dreams yeah. he has are yeah, things hopefully I'm, you'll I'm be okay I'm waiting with. for him to get married and I know <laughs> where to get the, the wedding. Well, I was going to say, see, <laughs> see some, things, some things don't change, right? I already right? know. <laughs> the Persian mom wanting their, their son to get married doesn't yeah. necessarily change. That's still, I have no problem taking a sledgehammer to that. To that one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah, as we can see, not everything has has to change. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm wondering, we talked a bit about the journey, but, and this might be a, it's a kind of a vague, and I'll, therapists, we ask a lot of open-ended questions, but I'm just wondering how different it feels now than, let's say, even for you, Ben, 12 years ago, or before you came out and the relationship, let's say, you can have with your mom now that she knows and hopefully, you know, gone through that process and accepts you. Do you feel, like, how how, how do you, would you describe that type of a change? Or how it, it feels. That's actually a very clear question for yeah. me. Because, you know, when, when I spoke about going to therapy, my secret had become my identity. Mm. I was I was an empty shell and the only thing inside of it was this secret. And I remember vividly, once I shared that with the therapist, I felt this deep sense of emptiness because that secret wasn't me anymore. It was just something in the ether Mm -hmm. and i now had this obligation to discover who i was Mm -hmm. and it was scary because 
all I knew was this this secret. Mm -hmm. And so that's when my journey of that's I think that's when I would say like I was reborn in that moment. Mm -hmm. As an adult, I had to really experience and develop my own identity. Now, I mean, we have a great relationship. I'm able to be my truest self with my parents, whether or not they like hearing it. I'm just very transparent mm -hmm. about the things that I go through because I feel like I've knocked so many barriers down that that they necessarily weren't expecting that I could just tell them anything and they'll be fine. <laughs> they probably don't want to hear all of it, but um, I that's how I approach my relationship mm -hmm. with them now. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I, I remember that um, we, we had a hard time. Mm -hmm. I had a hard time with him. I, sure. I was angry at him and we didn't have a good relationship everything ends with a fight and um after i become more um relaxed and you know educate myself then i find out that uh, this is not the way i i need to be more um tuned with him and start uh, listening to him and mm -hmm. uh, you know feel his feeling to understand him better. And when I started to do that, uh, we became closer. And um, since then, we never had to fight. But, you know, still, he challenged me all the time. That, and that's going to be part of a good relationship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think she said something right now that I think is very important because I, I didn't mention it earlier. There was a lot of anger mm -hmm. on both sides. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I didn't realize how angry I was, how betrayed I felt by my community, by my family, just by life mm -hmm. in general, because I, I, I didn't choose to feel this way. It's, right. it's, it's funny when people say it's a choice. Why would I ever choose to put myself through all of these feelings? Mm -hmm. Somebody would be crazy mm -hmm. to choose this difficult path. It's just, it's just who I am, and I felt angry that I was being... I, being forced mm -hmm. to 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 put that in a box, and so once I was able to let that go, and I had to do a lot of personal therapy, letting that go because that had mm -hmm. metastasized into other parts of my life. Um, we were able to come to the table together, and then they were able to resolve their anger, and I did. And now we're kind of just we've we've built a solid foundation. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and you know, in the course of our show tonight, we could just you know not even touch a drop of the ocean of what you guys probably went through in this whole process so you know i know we got like the super cliff yeah it'd have to be you know that's going to be a long process but i just want people to get some idea of some of the major themes that you guys went through how it can be very challenging so if people are going through this it's gonna it is challenging so if you're in it don't expect it to be easy but there can be some you know light at the end of the tunnel so it gets better it gets better yes it gets better it gets better but the communication yeah it gets better something i you know like to say is you know people say time heals but it's also what you do with that time you know so yeah going to support group going to therapy doing yeah. the work is what actually it's not just time in and of itself i mean when you start talking about it with your son you know mm -hmm. you have to have the com communication open because if you don't talk about it and you think that you know what he's feeling mm -hmm. and he knows what you're feeling but not talking about it you're not going to get anywhere mm -hmm. there, there there is just one last thing i sure. would say is that it, it it might not be easy this easy for everybody and i know i had an amazing deck of cards in my favor to have my life turn out the way it did but for people who aren't out there are other people who will support you mm -hmm. and there are other places you can go they can come to me i will listen they can choose the family that they want they don't have to go through it with the family they have if they don't feel like it's safe for them 
I'll, I'll leave it with that because I can't say it better than that. So thank you again to Ben <laughs> and Sina Tubia. Thank, thank you guys for, for joining us. me. And again, We Do Care and also Cross-Cultural Expressions. is uh, You can find them on Facebook. Um, if you're in the LA area, you can get involved with We Do Care and maybe even start your own organization. We didn't get to talk about much about starting your own, but I hope people will take from that example and, and continue with that. Yes, But again, a big thanks to my guests tonight, Ben and Sima Tubia. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dawakwi. Have a wonderful night. Thank you.